You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. So very excited to be joined by the amazing Simona De Silvestro for episode 50 of the Girls on the Grid podcast. Simona, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Switzerland. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here and we have a lot to chat about. Um, but the way we like to start these podcasts is go from the very beginning with our guests. So, uh, Simona, tell us a bit about your initial introduction to the world of motorsport and how it all started for you. Yeah, so for me, it started uh, through my dad, actually. So he has a, a car dealership here in Switzerland and uh, he, he, was, he, I, he was always around cars. He liked Formula One on TV. He liked racing and stuff like that. So. Um, when I was little, uh, I always used to watch F1 on TV with him. And, uh, and yeah, I think uh, he used to say I was only quiet as a baby when Formula One was on TV. So I think I had like, let's say the racing bug quite early. But uh, then, um, yeah, I, because I grew up around cars, I really kind of, you know, something that was really natural to me. And, uh, and it's something that uh, was always interesting to me. And uh, when he did a, a go-kart demonstration when I was four, I think, at the, at the dealership because they had an exposition and stuff like that. We, uh, I got to uh, drive around on his knees and, um, and I really wanted to drive by myself. So I kind of was, I think, a little bit the terror child and made, cried like the whole day and, and annoyed him a lot to, to really uh, maybe drive by myself. And I think to quiet me down, he said, OK, if you, you, you're a little bit taller, maybe I get your go kart. So that's kind of, I would say, how it started, yeah. <laughs> and tell us about, you know, those early karting years with, we're, we're very Aussie. I'll preface that at the start of the podcast. <laughs> we're both very Aussie. Um, but what was it like growing up karting in Switzerland? At what point did you start to travel and when did it start to get a little bit more than just something you did with your dad? Yeah, well, in Switzerland, because racing is actually banned, um, you don't really have that many tracks or anything like that. So I, we would go a lot to France. So I, I grew up in the close to Geneva, which is the French side of Switzerland. And we would just go across the border, which was, you know, an hour and a half. And you were, you know, a different country. And, and in France, there was this track. And we used to go there, you know, on, on Wednesday afternoon here in in, in Switzerland, you always have Wednesday afternoon. It's kind of school-free. So we would go there or on the weekends. And um, so, yeah, traveling was started kind of a little bit early. And then, uh, and then really when it got more serious, you know, when I was maybe, let's say, 10, 11 years old, you know, you started doing, like, Euro, Euro championships and, and things like that. So you would go to Italy a lot because there, you know, racing is, uh, especially in go-karts, is really where it's happening. So I spent a lot of time in Italy. Uh, and that's where, you know, it became more serious in the sense because we, you know, the, it was something I was doing, you know, sometimes I had to miss school for it and stuff like that. So I would say, you know, when I was 10, 11, that's where it got a bit more serious. I was also playing tennis at the same time. And, and my parents kind of told me, OK, you need to choose. And, you know, I chose racing. It was kind of a no brainer to choose racing, but I had to make the choice. But around 11. Yeah. So did I hear that? Um the racing ban in Switzerland has actually been lifted? It has for electric cars. Um, so, so yeah, it's been banned to, to race cars since 1955. 
uh, because I think there was a big crash in Le Mans and, uh, and, and in Switzerland, they, they banned racing. Uh, so for Formula E, actually, we had, uh, there was two races in Switzerland, so they lifted that uh, for electric cars, yes. Did that, was that a barrier for you to, it's so, it's so different, like Australia to go to a different country, it's a long way. But in Europe, it's kind of like you just jump on a train or just drive across a border and it's, it's completely fine. So for me to like comprehend that you just went to another country to race your go-kart like on a Wednesday afternoon kind of blows my mind a little. But was that, so was that a barrier, you know, being from Switzerland to then, you know, want to do something that's banned in where you're from? Not really, because, you know, for sure, okay, it would have been nice, you know, to have a track really close. But, you know, it's, it's like if you would go, you know, I don't know, let's say, you know, if you go from Sydney to Bathurst, you know, it's like, it's not that far in the sense, you know, you're a different country, but it's, it's, it's pretty close still. And I don't think it's a really, it's been a barrier, you know, but for sure, you know, I think motorsport, you know, in Switzerland, we're lucky to have Sauber Formula One, which is kind of our, you know, motorsport kind of top, you know, because they are in F1. And uh, actually there's a few, like we are quite a few drivers coming out of Switzerland, you know, so I don't think it was a big hindrance uh, in having that, but for sure, you know, it would have been nice to have something maybe a little bit closer, you know, I think as well, you know, if I think, for example, my grandparents uh, or stuff like that, you know, I think as a kid, it would have been cool if they would come more often to, to races, but they didn't because it was a little bit further away than if it was just, you know, like half an hour away or something like that. And what about when you started in Formula Renault, which was your debut car racing category? Um, what was that like stepping into a race car, I guess, and then being able to to travel? What was it like for you in those early days? Yeah, well, actually going into a car was the weirdest thing ever uh, because, you know, coming from a go-kart, you, you feel at home, you know, you have all your sensations and stuff like that. And all of a sudden you're driving this big thing and you it feels like it has no grip uh it slides around you know it's uh, it's really strange and uh, um it took you know a few days to kind of get used to it and we would go to italy i was actually doing the italian championship that first year and uh yeah, you you adapt to it you know it's a it's a whole new world you need to learn different things how to brake you know it's it's so different than go-karting the, the racing is similar but how you drive a car is different than than driving a go-kart so that's, uh, I think, like what every kid has to go through. And, um, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a cool experience. And for sure, you know, it was just a normal step, you know, for me to, to, to move forward in my career to, to go into cars. Were there many other girls doing what you were doing in that time? Yeah, actually, it's funny because in Switzerland, we were like five girls. And um, we were actually all really competitive. Um, so I think from the nation's point of view, we were like the most of it, you know, even though we weren't many that were go-karting or or racing, but like from the girls ratio to the guys, like we were like quite a lot actually. So, so it's quite fun to see. And, and uh, I think all of us were, were pretty fast as well. So it was, uh, it it was pretty, pretty special. I would say like now looking back for sure. And following on from that uh, formula Renault, you then went to formula BMW in the States. Now that's, big change talk to us about that period of your life yeah it was uh you know i did formula renault and um and you know how racing is you know you need sponsorships you need budgets you know and uh, and and staying in europe was it was too expensive really for us um uh, you know like my my parents invested quite a lot in my career but you know it got to the point where 
you know, we couldn't manage it really ourselves. And, um, and yeah, we didn't really have the money. And then luckily uh, in that winter, we kind of, a friend of my dad's, he was uh, Italian. Uh, he knew a team that was an Italian team that was racing in, in America. And uh, we got in contact with them and the budgets were quite lower to do Formula BMW in the States. Uh, and I, find a, I found an American sponsor as well. So it was kind of, I remember sitting at home with my parents and we were like, okay, do we do it or not? Because I was still in school and it was, it was a big thing to do because you had to, yeah, you know, it was kind of stop school and, and go to America and live there. And, uh, and, and for me, it was, you know, no brainer. I wanted to go racing and I knew it was, you know, the only chance my racing career would continue. So uh, uh, I convinced them and uh, we, we flew to the States and I think it was, uh, you know, I think in March or in April, we did a test uh, and then I just stayed there and they flew back. So, uh, so yeah, that was kind of how, how my American adventure started. How old were you at that time? Uh, I was 17, 17 years old. Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, it's funny, like, I'm for sure, you know, I, I was young and all that, but you know, I think. I've been really lucky to know that what I wanted to do in my life, you know, I wanted to race cars. I wanted to be, you know, to go to Formula One and all that. But so it didn't, you know, I didn't really think about, you know, going to America or how crazy, you know, I, I just knew I could race a car there. And, and uh, um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience for sure. You know, it's tough when you live away from, from your friends and family, but you know, I was racing a car, so it didn't really, really matter in that sense. Were you always well adjusted to, traveling around like were you able to kind of keep up with that hustle of traveling the world did you enjoy it yeah you know I liked um so you know being my parents we always can we traveled a lot quite anyways you know in in general and uh uh but for sure you know I think going to the states it you know it's not right you know it's it's not an hour away or something like that but um at the time it didn't really phase me you know that I was so far away from them you know I yeah I was racing, so it didn't it really didn't matter to be honest. Yeah. What about when you made that step to become a professional? When it went from, you know, this is just this is what I want to do, this is the goal for my career. At what point did you go from, yep, I want to be a race car driver to yep, I am a race car driver? Um, well, I think, you know, the this Formula BMW phase and going to America because I did stop school uh, and all that. It was, you know, it was, that was a big step in a sense. You know, I it was kind of make it or break it as well. I knew, you know, I had to be competitive. If not, you know, this I would go back to Switzerland and just, uh, you know, go back to school and stuff like that. So there, I think I started realizing, you know, I need to be really competitive. I need, I need, to, I need to try to win races, need to, to fight for the championship. So that was, that was one thing. But for sure, I think, you know, when I'm, you know, I would say when I got to, to IndyCar, you know, that's really when, you know, I realized, okay, this is, this is kind of my job now. You know, I think the first year was still kind of fun, but then you realize, okay, you know, this is, uh, this is your job and, uh, and you've kind of achieved that. And I think that was, uh, that was quite special. And that's, you know, all I was doing, you know, was racing. So, so that was the, the step, I would say. And so is racing something you've always done? Has there ever been anything else career-wise that you've done or anything that you wanted to do that you that you wished you did no actually you know no I've, you know I think you know if you if you get the chance to do something like racing you know you really need to be in the moment to to be successful you know and 
I think it's hard when you try to do a hundred things next to it. Um, so no, I was always, you know, I was lucky that my career always kind of went forward. You know, it, every year there was something new coming in and, uh, and I was racing something. So, uh, I think the last few years, it's a bit more, you know, I have a little bit more time because I don't have full programs, but, uh, but at the time, no, it was always, you know, every year there was a new season and uh, I was just preparing for that one. So you mentioned IndyCar 2010, your first IndyCar season. How did that come about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it came about, I did three years of Atlantics and, um, and actually the third, you know, I did the first two years. Well, okay. I had one win in Long Beach, um, which was quite cool, but then my, my season was really a bit, yeah, up and down, you know, it was kind of good, sometimes bad and stuff like that. But the third season in Atlantics, I was with a really good team at a really good engineer and they are really, you know, felt like I did the biggest step, you know, I was, uh, we went out to the first race and I think we finished fifth and I really worked a lot on myself, you know, mentally, I was really crap at qualifying, for example, and uh, I, I really worked hard on that and went to the second race and, you know, we, we qualified on pole with like half a second advantage. So in that year, really this, this year, you know, really, I grew a lot and, you know, became really, you know, also secure in my abilities. You know, I was like, okay, I know I can win races and I can be, can be competitive. And, um, and then I did almost win that championship actually. And through that, you know, we had a, a sponsor at the time, uh, Stargate Worlds that was sponsoring me in Atlantics. They kind of just said, okay, we have the budget to actually go into IndyCar. And, um, and it was, you know, it's kind of funny because I got into IndyCar and then, you know, for me, it was still kind of like, okay, it's a new season. It's a new car. It's a big car, but it was more year two. Or actually when I got to the Indy 500 in that year where I realized, okay, holy shit, you know, like this is the big league now. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you in here, you can be, you know, you can have a career here and, uh, um, and it was, it was quite cool. You know, I think, I think Brazil was the first race and, you know, I was leading laps and so it, it, I went in and I was, I was pretty competitive sometimes. And, uh, and it was, it was just, yeah, it was amazing, you know, to be in Indy cars for sure. You touched on ha having to do some work on the mental side of things. A lot of people probably don't even realize that, yeah, you gotta be fit to drive a race car. You gotta have the skill and the talent, but then the mental side of things, when you're all on that same level of skill really like everyone at that kind of top level is all can relatively do the same thing do you think it's the mental that then you know comes into it above that and how you can handle that pressure yeah I think mentally that's I think that's the biggest strength a driver can have because at the end of the day I think we all kind of fast and you know and okay for sure you know some people are a little bit better in setting up a car and things like that or understand a bit more that side but um on the mental side yeah for me you know I I was always kind of fast but in qualifying I just couldn't put it together it was you know there was some corners I was good and then I just couldn't put it together in the lap and then just working mentally on it you know and focusing on that it made a huge change you know I really then I was you know I think we had I don't know four or five poles that year so it was just a really big step just in working on myself and you know, being able to be in the, in the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, the mental side is, is really important, you know, and, but it, it's also hard. It's, it's kind of hard to, like, I'm not really somebody who, you know, who let's say meditates a lot. Like I, 
I understand it a bit, but sometimes I also don't understand. And it's and it's it's really a strange feeling, you know, to kind of find a path that is always always successful. So you always need to work around it and try to find new things. So it's uh, sometimes, you know, the, yeah, like my qualifying thing, it was working well, and all of a sudden it wasn't working anymore, and you don't really know why because you're not really changing anything. But it's just yeah, a kind of a, a process that you have to go through and and keep trying to improve and try to to try different things. I would say. And can you take us back to your first Indy 500? What was it like suddenly going into such a massive, prestigious event like that? Yeah, well, it was funny because, you know, I, I was still young. You know, I was, how old was I? I was 20. And, you know, I'd heard of the Indy 500 and, and for sure, you know, big race. But I never, at, at the time, I really didn't realize how big it is. You know, I, I just went in, okay, you know, it's another race in the calendar even though I knew it was, you know, had a lot of history and all that. But um, actually, then the amount of people there, that was the first thing, you know, it was crazy. Like the whole month, there's just so many people. Actually, that was the time I had to shorten my signature because it was much longer before. And, uh, you know, I realized, okay, you have to sign so many things, you know, you have to shorten it. And And then as the month went on, you know, the more I realized, okay, man, this is like really crazy. You know, this is... Uh, this is a really big deal and 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 you know you're practicing the qualifying is super nerve-wracking I think qualifying at the Indy 500 you know I think it's it's the hardest thing I'd ever had to do in in a race car and um, and uh, and you know just going through these motions to maybe not qualify qualify it's it's pretty crazy and then you go out on <clears throat> on race day and there's just so many people and you know it's it's amazing you know and I think the more I did it, the more I realized how important this race is. You know, it's it's something for me that grew more, you know, as the time went on. Then in 20, 2010, when I went there the first time, you know, I just, I didn't gasp it as well. You know, maybe I was still young as well. You know, I think when you're younger, you don't really, you know, realize these things sometimes. You know, you're just going with the flow and stuff like that. And the older you get, you're like, oh, wow, this is pretty, it's pretty crazy, you know. And even now, you know, when, when I get the chance to do the 500, you know, I think uh, I put even more pressure on me because you just like, wow, this is, uh, you know, that's one race you want to win. One thing that I've noticed with the Indy 500 as well, it seems to be an event where there's quite a fair bit of female involvement. Like there's been some female drivers in it over the years that have done quite well was that was it something that you ever noticed that you were maybe a little bit outnumbered or how did you kind of feel about that did you feel any pressure at all being one of the only females on the grid not really you know I think when I came to IndyCar Danica was racing already a few years and um and you know, for me, I never, you know, I never thought I was the odd one. You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of, I just, you know, I was a race car driver. So for me, it was, uh, yeah, it didn't, I, you know, I didn't really think about those things. And, you know, you had Danica racing already. She had won a race in, in 2008. So she was kind of the the top, you know, like she she had won a race and all that. And and we were racing there and racing against her. It was, it was quite cool. So, uh, and and there was... I think I don't know which year it was, but I think we were like four or five girls in the in the five hundred. So I think in the, that sense, IndyCar has always been the from the, all the major series, you know, the one that had the most females. I would say. Yeah, that's really cool to have four or five, you know, 
females on one, like one grid is massive. You can put a couple of categories together these days and not even make, you know, four or five girls. So that's really special. What about the rest of your time in IndyCar? What, what sort of highlights do you, do you remember from that time? Oh, well, I think there's a few, you know, I think when I won Rookie of the Year at the Indy 500 in 2010, that was, that's quite cool. You know, when, when I look at the list of names and you have your name on it, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. And then for sure, I think uh, my last year in 2013 was a, uh, was a really good year. You know, we, uh, I think we finished 13th in the championship. We had a podium, we finished second. Uh, we were consistently top 10, uh, top five, you know, it was a, uh, I think it was a really strong year and, uh, and it was, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think if you, if you look at it, you know, I was in front of a lot of people who are now, uh, have won championships and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed uh, that year for sure. And then in 2014, the opportunity came up for you to join the, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but the Sauber? F1 team <laughs> as an affiliated driver and although it didn't quite work out what was it like being a part of an F1 team with a potential career in Formula One on the horizon? Yeah for, for me you know it was you know since I was little Formula One was really always my goal you know even uh, at the time when I was in IndyCar I was always you know I want to get Formula One because I was young and all that and um I got to test the car, you know, and uh, uh, the test went really well and stuff like that. And then, yeah, unfortunately, it kind of fell apart because of um, a lot of things that were out of my control. You know, at the time, Sauber had a lot of money problems and uh, they needed quite a lot, the, a lot of budgets and stuff like that. So it was, you know, something that I really couldn't, you know, come up with. So, um, so it was really, actually... It was really cool. You know, I, I got to drive an F1 car, so that's really positive. And uh, I was quite fast in it. So that was that was really cool as well. And um, but for sure, you know, I think uh, mentally and all that, you know, having something, you know, you're so close to something that you've kind of worked for your whole life. And then it's really out of your control and you're not really achieving it. That was it was quite a tough, tough thing because. You know, then all of a sudden I sat here and, you know, I had nothing, you know, I didn't have an IndyCar ride. I, you know, it was kind of like, okay, what am I doing now? And, uh, um, yeah, it was, that, that was difficult. You know, I would say that was one of the most uh, difficult things that happened in my career in the sense, because it was out of my control, you know, and, um, well, I, I would say there's two things that were really hard in my car. It was my crash in 2011, but, um, but yeah, that was kind of hard because you, you know, I think you work for that thing all your life you have this goal and all of a sudden, you know, you, you just can't reach it. And, and you feel a little bit lost to be honest, because you're like, okay, what now? Like, where, where are we going? Where's, where's the road continuing now? Yeah. It's, it's so tough, isn't it? That whole formula one world. And like, I can't even imagine how surreal that would have been for you though. Do you, can you kind of take us through what it was like when you first stepped into a formula one car? Um, it was uh, actually it was where was it? it was in Fiorano, so it was already quite cool because it was like on the Ferrari track, um, you know. And uh, I don't know, I just felt really prepared. You know, I was, I don't know, I came from IndyCar, I felt really prepared for it. You know, I I knew this was kind of my shot. You know, in the sense of prepared well. And um, you know, when I got in the car, the engine went on. It was really loud. You know, it was still it was still the it was a V8, you know, a V10, like it was, it was cre really loud. And um, 
and I just went off and uh, what I remembered was actually the braking. You know, it was so crazy. You know, even coming from an indie car where you have a lot of downforce and, you know, it's a heavy car to drive physically. It's really demanding. But um, I got to turn one and hit the brake and, you know, it was just like, it, stopped, it really stopped instantly. And that was really, really impressive. And, uh, uh, you know, I trained my neck really hard, you know, even coming out of racing, you know, it was just like, it was such a bigger step for my neck. Like, I think by midday, you know, I couldn't really hold my head up. It was, it was really crazy. Um, but it was just really cool because the car was just perfect, you know, in the sense, I don't think I've ever driven anything like it where all the things are just perfect, you know, how it breaks, how it accelerates, how it corners and stuff like that. It was quite cool. And, and, and I think the biggest thing was just, you know, to kind of trust the car, you know, to go faster because, you know, it can take it. So that was kind of the biggest challenge, actually, those, those test days, just, you know, to trust the machinery to, okay, you keep, keep going quicker, 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 and, 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 and sticks to it. So it's, uh, that was uh, in your brain. It was kind of like, okay, you just have to trust it and, and commit to it. You mentioned just before about your crash being, you know, one of the hardest things you've had to overcome uh, in your career so far. You're only 22 when that happened and that was, it's pretty massive. How did that mentally affect you? And, you know, like, yeah, crazy, crazy thing to happen at such a young age and also in America away from your family. And yeah, how did you deal with that? Yeah, it was hard because I was, uh, you know, it was also, it was a, the suspension broke so it wasn't really a mistake I did and you know I think I was going like 360k an hour and yeah caught on fire land upside down and you know I couldn't really get out of the car so it was um I think it was you know when when actually the safety crew came and took me out you know I was I actually told myself I'm done with racing you know I'm I, I don't want to get in the car again so it, it really really spooked me and um you know I think as a driver you you know it's dangerous but you know, you kind of, you don't think about these things, you know, and when that was the first time I really got hurt in a race car as well, you know, I burned my hands really badly and it was just, it was, yeah, the first time I got hurt. So it was, uh, it was kind of difficult. And I remember I was being in the hospital and I think it happened on, it was on Thursday and uh, my parents were actually flying over and uh, I was in the hospital and my parents came in and my dad was, oh, you know, like, it's fine, you know, if you want to stop, it's fine, and stuff like that, and, and my mom actually, you know, she was always more the scared one, a little, not scared, but she was always, like, the more respectful one, like I would say with my racing, but she was the one that said, you know, maybe you should try it again, you know, and I think because she, she told me this, you know, I was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe she's right, maybe I need to try it, and I need to see you know, if I go out there and, you know, I'm really scared and, you know, then at least, you know, I know it's fine. You know, I can stop, you know, I tried. Or if I go out there and still somehow, you know, have a bit of a smile on my face, you know, I, I need, you know, it's fine. And then I need, I know I need to pu push through it. And um, so, you know, because she said that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll get back in the car. And I went back in the car on Saturday. And um, so like a day and a half later, it was, yeah, it was pretty intense, you know, going there and, Qualifying was also really on the limit and uh, and I qualified the car, but, you know, I got out of the car and, you know, I still had a little smile on my, on my face. So I told myself, okay, you know, you, you need to just, you know, push through. It's not going to be easy, but just keep at it and, and it will be fine. So I'm, I'm glad I did it, but for sure, you know, I think um, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense, especially at Indy because you, 
you're going so fast, you know, you're so on the edge on an oval. It's not like on a road course where, you know, you're braking and stuff like that. You know, you really have to trust the car and just, you know, kind of let it fly. And it's, you know, it's really intense. It was, that month was, was really, really intense, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and when something like that happens, how do you kind of not let it get to you? E- even now, is it something that's still always in the back of your mind? Well, you know, I think with as time, you know, I think the human being forgets as well, you know, a bit, you know, and uh, and you you just kind of, you know, get on with it. But for sure, you know, I think there was sometimes, you know, I think especially that year, you know, I would go back on an oval and it was it was really tough. It was just not comfortable, you know, because I had, you know, what happened to me was something that broke. So it was just so out of control. You're just a passenger. You can't. It's nothing that you felt before anything like that. So what actually was really hard for me was just finding the trust, you know, in the equipment, in the car that it was going to be fine. And um, and that took just a little bit. And, you know, and, and as time goes on, you know, to be honest, you know, I had more positives after than negatives. So you just go with the flow and you and you and you get back into it. But for sure, you know, I think sometimes. Yeah, if you, you know, I think. If you have a crash, you know, it's inevitably if you're racing that you're going to have a crash again. But, uh, you know, then you just need to really work on it. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, you always need to listen to you, to yourself, how you feel and how you, uh, how, how you are. And, you know, and, and I think in, in these sports, you know, if you start being scared, you know, maybe, maybe you should stop. You know, that's also maybe a sign. But, you know, uh, this hasn't happened to me yet. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, you know, at the moment we, we keep pushing through. But for sure, you know, it's... They're not easy moments, but, you know, you, they make you grow quite, quite a lot, I would say. Now, from IndyCar, then the F1 Association, next was Formula E. Now, Formula E is relatively new in the, you know, world of motorsport. It's not, it's not really a thing here in Australia. Um, they don't come here. We don't really, you know, see much of it. Talk to me about that phase Obviously, it's a couple of years after your crash. You've done a few more seasons of IndyCar. You end up driving with Andretti Autosport, which is a massive name in motorsport. How did that, yeah, what was that whole phase like? Yeah, it was interesting because it was, uh, so I had this uh, Formula One thing kind of fall apart uh, at the end of, uh, yeah, in the middle of 14, I would say. And, um, And then I really tried hard to get back into IndyCar, actually, but I didn't really have a sponsor anymore and uh and uh it was yeah it was a bit of a mess so I, I did find some money actually you know I kind of went and to people I knew and uh I was like look like maybe we can go and do the first race and the 500 and you know maybe this will kickstart things again and then we'll be we'll be fine and um and and I managed to to find that money and uh, we went to St. Pete and uh it was not too bad we're not it was it was okay and then uh uh, I had one person help me to go to the second race, which was, uh, I think it was New Orleans and we finished fourth. So at the time, you know, we were, we had two races in, we were like sixth in the cha- uh, or fourth in the championship. So it looked pretty good. But uh, at the end of the day, there wasn't any big sponsors, you know, that was going to continue in the, in the, in the IndyCar season. And uh, um, I had signed for the 500 as well with Andretti. So I did all these three races and uh, luckily for me, they started, Formula, Formula E the the year in that year or the year before and um, 
and they offered me this seat actually. And uh, uh, yeah, I was, to be honest, in the beginning, I was pretty skeptical because, you know, I grew up never thinking that I would be racing in an electric car or something like that. You know, it was just really strange. I think a lot of us in the paddock were like, okay, what is this? And, um, and in the beginning, the cars were also, you know, they were not thought through as an electric car. So it was more of a, of a race car with an electric motor. So it, it was just, it was a difficult car to drive. It was really strange because it had no noise and uh, we had a lot of issues with the with the the powertrain as well because we were in season two and we're still easy, using a powertrain from season one. So um, we had some good races, but uh, the season was a bit average, let's say. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it was a it was a first step into it. Uh, I I like the category. I kind of I kind of like the innovate like like the innovation of it, you know, because you would see as well through the years how better the cars became and, you know, the teams as we learned. So in the sense, even now being involved still with it, I think it's it's quite cool to see how quickly things are evolving. And and I think as a racing driver, I think it's it's pretty special to be involved in this because, you know, there's so much change happening within years uh, uh, with the, the electric power and all that. So I think it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. I know there's a lot of mixed opinions on Formula E. Like you said, when it first came around, everyone's like, hang on, what is this? Because you know how, how they sound and everyone's used to, you know, a, a proper sounding race car and it's and it's very different. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think motorsport is probably going to go down the electric path? Um, well, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm with Porsche now and I, I'm involved in the project and, and what I see, you know, what they're doing, you know, you, you see the cars uh, they're producing, you know, and all that. I think it's it's really cool to see, you know, and uh, and to be honest, you know, the, the new car as well is uh, is really fast. You know, it goes really quick down the straightaway and uh, uh, the technology behind it is also it's really special. You know, it's definitely different than you know, what I grew up with because, you know, how you're breaking and stuff like that is different and all these things. But um, I think, you know, for sure, you know, there's a, a you know, it, I, you know, you have Formula One. I think Formula One will always be Formula One, but I think that Formula E has, you know, a huge potential now, you know, and, and uh, you know, now that the cars are becoming faster and bigger and all that, you know, going to bigger racetracks and stuff like that. The racing is really cool, you know, it's, it's quite different, you know. There's a lot of strategy into it and stuff like that. I think it's a, it's a, it, it's it's it. I think it's a good series, you know. And um, I think it's it's fun to watch. I think the cars are really fun to drive as well. So I think it's uh, it's definitely the future in that sense. And uh, and you know, from the outside maybe you know because it is so new. And and as I think especially for for example my generation, you know, I grew up with like engines you know that make sound and stuff like that so for me as well still it's different but I think the newer generation is already way more accustomed to something like that for so for them maybe you know it's it's just normal to to be you know with an electric car and they would think you know oh why is that you know the f1 car being so loud and stuff you know for them maybe it doesn't make sense so it's I think it's going to be quite interesting in the next like 10 years, you know, how you, how that shift is, is going to happen, you know, and, and, you know, I think the kids nowadays, you know, are way more, you know, with computers, with all these stuff, they're just way more natural with this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, an electric car is also way more natural for them. Now, 2015 was a big year for you. Supercars came into your world. 
we both work in supercars currently now. It's it's our jam. We love it. Grew up watching the sport similar way to, you know, over in Europe, you'd grow up watching formula categories. That's our supercars for us. And you come and joined us in 2015 for a wildcard race at Bathurst. Now, Bathurst is a pretty crazy place. I was there like two weeks ago for the six hour. It's a lot of fun. But talk to me about that opportunity that come into, you know, be the main driver, then have Renee Gracie as your co-driver. How'd that all come about? You're also doing a couple of IndyCar races as well in 2015. So big year. Yeah, it was a it was a big year. It was a, doing Formula E, doing IndyCar, and then this call. I got this call to come and do you know uh, Bathurst. And to be honest, when I got the call, I was like, yes, I'm doing it because for me it was oh, that was the, that was going to be my only chance I get to race there. You know, I think if you ask any racing driver, uh, anyone wants to race there. You know, I think the track is so it's like amazing. You know, I think you know I played it on video games. You know, I watched a lot of videos of it and stuff like that. So when I got the call, uh, if I wanted to do this wild card, uh, it was a no brainer for me to do it. You know, I was just like, yeah, because this is going to be my shot at, uh, at going to Bathurst and then driving a supercar as well. You know, um, you know, even here in Europe, you know, if, if you're in the paddock or, and you know, and you say, you know, I raced in, in V8s and stuff like that, it's just like, Oh, that's really cool. You know, a lot of people are jealous. So, uh, so yeah, I was, um, I jumped at the opportunity to do it for sure. And so yourself and Renee, you were the first female pairing since the, they're called the Castrol Cougars. And that was Melinda Price and Karen Brew in the late nineties. So I guess coming from Europe and, you know, like you said, growing up, there was probably a bit more female involvement, whereas in Australia, it just wasn't really a thing. Did, how, how did that feel? Did it feel kind of different coming into it or did you just kind of carry the same attitude? <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't feel different. For, I, the only difference was really that it was the first time that I was teaming up with an, another girl. You know, I'd never done that before. So that was, uh, that was the first time I did that. And, and uh, it was uh, actually, yeah, it was quite fun. You know, I think uh, it was, uh, it was pr- a, f- a fun thing to do, but for sure that was, and also sharing the car. I never shared a car before. So that, that was more the things that were different, but not, you know, I don't think I thought about, you know, going in with Renee, oh, we're going to be against, you know, the guys, you know, like this, this thought, you know, really it, it's only kind of now that I'm like sometimes thinking, oh, maybe it was a bit more difficult, but at the time, you know, you know, you, I don't know, you're a racing driver. And for me, I, my attitude was always, you know, I need to try to be fast. And, you know, if I'm fast, you know, I'll be accepted from the guys and stuff like that. So to me, it didn't, it never really crossed my mind this, you know, this stuff. No, not at all. So we obviously left a rather good impression on you because you came back and uh, become a full-time driver in the Supercars Championship uh, with, with Nissan Motorsport, Kelly Racing. What was that phase like? You impressed someone at the Bathurst 1000 in the wildcard enough to come back and, and do it full time. Can you talk to me about those years? Um, I mean, I was in the paddock, you know, 2017 was my first year getting around the paddock and, and doing like actual work stuff and, you know, passing by. And it's just, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's aspirational and it was really cool to see your, your name. And you were the first full-time supercars driver for a long time who was a female. So. Yeah, it was a really cool time for the sport. And what was that 
like from your perspective? Yeah, it was uh, actually, you know, it was really, uh, you know, I think thanks to Harvey Norman, you know, I think, uh, you know, she, you know, kind of really believed in me, you know, and I was uh, really lucky that, um, yeah, at the time, you know, in the series as well, there was uh, there was some interest uh, in me uh, and putting this deal together. And, uh, you know, uh, I think having Harvey Norman on board, I think was also super special because, you know, I think they do so much in Australia for female athletes. and to have them kind of uh, support this was uh, was really cool. And for me, you know, it was uh, I don't know. It was at the time it was really you know a a, a really good opportunity. And you know, I, I really enjoyed the wild cards that I had done. Uh, I really enjoyed the cars as well. I really liked the racing. Uh, you know, the racing was really is really pure and uh, and super cars. And and for me as a driver, it's uh, it was something that I I really wanted to do. And uh, for sure, you know, I think. Um, the only thing is that Australia is really far away from home. You know, that was kind of the big, the thing that was, okay, it's it's not like America where you can just take one short flight home or something like that. So it was a, a big commitment. But uh, yeah, I, I really, you know, the team was great. You know, they, they really welcomed me, uh, you know, with open arms. And uh, uh, and for sure, you know, I think the, the first few years, you know, I think, coming from Europe, you know, not, I haven't really raced close cars and all that. It was, uh, it, it took a little bit of time, you know, just to kind of understand how to drive the cars, how to drive them faster. Also, um, maybe get the car more to how I would drive it. You know, that was a big, a bit of a process because, you know, most of the people or the drivers, you know, just grew up driving these type of cars. So, you know, if you, if you come from an open wheel, you have a little bit of a different style. So it just take, took a little bit of time to, get the car a little bit more to to our wanted and I think we had some some good speed you know especially in the in the third season it was uh, it was quite good and um and yeah you know I think at the time was you know definitely a bit sad that uh, that it 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 didn't really continue in the sense uh you know just opportunity wise but uh, you know I I really I really enjoyed it you know it was a uh, was really three three years of uh, of my racing career that you know that I will always remember you know and be it'd be really cool to to come back you know and do a wild card or something like that I think it'd be it'd be really fun I would uh, really enjoy it so yeah just on that with the opportunity coming back to Australia would you come back maybe just for like let's say a one-off wild card would you come back full-time uh well I don't you know right now I'm I think I'm in uh, a pretty good position at Porsche, you know, with, uh, with my involvement in the, in the Formula E program. So, um, so that's kind of my priority now. And yeah, I don't know, you know, a wild card or, you know, as a co-driver, I think I would definitely, you know, I think if, if this opportunity would come up, you know, I think uh, it's something I, I definitely would, uh, would consider, would consider. Yeah, that's really cool. Speaking of your Porsche deal, you've done some awesome things, but look, you're a Porsche official driver now. You got to tell us: Do you get a really cool car, like a road car, to drive? Uh, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, definitely one of the perks, you know, driving uh, driving for Porsche. You know, they're such. I think in racing, you know, they're such a special brand. You know, and and for me to to kind of join them, I think, uh, in my, you know, like you said, I've raced so many things in in my career, but you know, to to kind of um, you know, come part of their, uh, of their Formula E team and all that. It's, it's quite cool. And yeah, definitely the car, the car, the cars you get is, is quite fun as well. Yeah. Let's say it, 
it's, it's going to be hard to drive anything else now. That's the, that's the thing. <laughs> and yeah, just on that, just in everything you've raised, what has probably been your favorite? Ah, uh, well, you know, this, you know, I think pure like car wise and stuff like, you know, for sure, you know, an F1 car, you can't beat, you know, just how it feels, how fast it is and stuff like that. But, um, I am an open wheel kid, you know, so I definitely would say indie cars, I think where, you know, I can have the most success. I had the most success as well. is definitely something that's really suits me. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, from the r racing point of view and the formats, uh, you know, I think supercars, you know, especially at Bathurst is just amazing. You know, I think, uh, you can't, you can't beat that. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, you know, just that because to be honest, I've been so lucky to race in so many cool categories. You know, it's, uh, that's the thing. It's, uh, everything has their special thing and, um, and uh, yeah, so in that sense, I've been lucky, you know, so it's hard to, to pinpoint exactly what uh, what my favorite is, let's say. And my next question was going to be your favorite track to race at. And we know it's Bathurst, so it's OK. <laughs> no, it actually is. I, you know, it's funny. You don't have to say that just because no, we're Aussies. <laughs> no, no, no. It is true. You know, to be honest, I think it's the only track, even if you're having the worst race, you know, and nothing is going well, you still enjoy driving around it. Like, to be honest, that's, that's, that's how it is, you know, because it's just really fun to drive around. Like I, I love it. You know, I think uh, it's, yeah, it's the best, best place in the world, to be honest. And it is my answer, not just because of you guys, <laughs> I promise. Uh, it's always my answer. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking about that, we know our listeners love Bathurst. What was your first Bathurst experience like? Like you land into Sydney, did you road trip up or did you do the, the flight to Sydney and drive out? I, I flew into Sydney. No, 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 no. Actually, the first year on the wild card, yeah, my dad came to Melbourne. And then I was like, you know what? Why don't we road trip from Melbourne all the way? That's you know, the official way you have to do your first time. Exactly. But <laughs> the thing is, literally, so my dad landed and we spent like two days at Melbourne. And then he's like, yeah, let's do the road trip. I'm like, okay, we'll do it. And I think I ended up driving all like the whole way because he was so jet lagged. So he was always like sleeping next to me. And I don't think he saw that much of it, but uh, no, it was, uh, yeah. So that's what we did. It was, it was cool. So we did that and we drove to the race and then, and, and, and we did that the first year. And I think the second year um, we, I had a friend come with me and, and we did the similar thing. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool, you know, to be honest, if, especially if you do a wild card, it's always special because you spend a bit of time there and, you know, you get to kind of really take your time because you don't have the pressure of any other races before or after, you know, so you, you, it's a, it's kind of a cool, a cool few weeks actually when, uh, when, when I did it. Yeah. What was the, so when you first arrived, did you do a walk of the track first or did you do a higher car lap of the track first or? What was the oh. first, like, oh, my God, this thing is so steep. And, oh, my God, this thing is so, like, on the way down. You walk down yeah. it and you almost fall over. Like, it's it's, yes. it's so loose. Exactly. So uh, we walked it. And um, so we were with, with the team. I walked it. My dad came along as well. And um, we were walking the track. And, I yeah, it was just, I think it was, it's just cool because it's so big. And, I don't know, it's just super special, you know. And, even the first year I drove it, you know, you just, you're kind of okay, but you don't really get the flow of things. You know, it takes a little bit of time 
like the second year was so much better because it was just more flowy how everything went but back to that track walk I remember we were walking the track and I was like oh, this is cool and my dad was like so pumped as well and he's like, oh, this is really cool and you know what he really enjoyed is that you know everywhere we stopped there was somebody who handed him a beer you know uh, so he yes. really enjoyed that aspect of doing the track walk with us and he was like that's the best track walk I've ever done and so yeah it was, it was quite funny it was quite funny so he really loved the Aussie way yeah that is the just quintessential <laughs> Bathurst experience, like doing a track walk when all the teams do it. There's campus everywhere. Exactly. Like it's like it's like campus fest. But you said you said that the Indy five hundred was one of the craziest things you've ever done. How does our Bathurst one thousand rank in terms of craziness? Because for us it's it's pretty hectic. <laughs> it it is pretty crazy. So actually so well let's say, you know what what is at the at the Indy what is is really strange or weird is that you know you you're there like for like two weeks you know and you're practicing and you're driving and there isn't that many people and all that and then you qualify the car okay cool and then you have a week of nothing and then you go racing on that so and you you walk out and you in the car and the whole perspective changes because there's so many people all of a sudden so the track looks way narrower and and that stuff so that's that's kind of what is really, you know, like just kind of a bit like, oh, okay, this is way strange because it looks so different. Uh, but um, what I thought that was really cool at Bathurst is that, you know, when you did the the parade lap, you know, you like all the, fa- you know, they're really into it. And I think that's what like in Australia was really cool is that everyone loves supercars, you know, you walk down through every everyone is involved every like that's that's really something special and um actually uh my dad you know and my mom they went up on the mountain because they were like okay we're gonna check it out we're gonna get the whole thing and they they came back you know with pictures of a whole pig roasting and you know the cans like it was just like it was really cool so i i think you aussies know how to you know be at the race and enjoy it and i think in that sense, you, I think you win that, I would say, yes. <laughs> Canpole Corner is like an institution at the top <laughs> of amazing. Bathurst. It's so cool. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's like, like my parents, I remember them, and they were like, oh, my God, you need to see this, you need to see this. And I was like, oh, this is, like, really fun. Because, like, for me, it's, you know, when you have to race, like, you kind of want to enjoy it, but, you, you know, you have the, you know, pressure in the sense that, you know, you need to be with the team and stuff like that. So, uh, so, but it was, it was quite fun when they came back, you know, and came back down. They were like, oh, this is like the craziest thing I've ever seen and all that. So it was really funny, yeah. <laughs> would, you, would you say it was quite a culture shock coming to Australia and just seeing how loose and wild the fans are at Bathurst? <laughs> um, you know, not, I think not, it wasn't, it wasn't a shock or anything. I think it was just cool, you know, because I think that's how racing should be you know i think nowadays you know in europe especially you know it's just you know nobody really can come to the path you know it's just and i was used a little bit in america where it's also a little bit more open you know and all that but you know i think in australia they you know you guys really live it as well you know you like your sports is just really you're really into it you really live it and and, you know, even, you know, with this Ford and Holden, I think that was amazing to see, you know, just because families have been Holden family or families have been, like, 
you know, you don't really get that nowadays. And I think that that was really special to experience, to be honest. And, you know, I think it's something what you know, when people ask me and we're like, God, you know, it's just really cool how they're just so into it, you know? And because you nearly, you know, done everything there is to do in motorsport, you thought you'd just now go and start to bobsled. So <laughs> talk to us about that. Cause it looks so cool. <laughs> and I've grew up watching cool running. So that's like, <laughs> that's my extent of bobsledding. That's all I've got. Well, that, that was my inspiration. You Such know. a good uh, movie. Kiss my egg. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, no, that actually, you know, it's, it's funny. I, for years, you know, I always, when I watch the Olympics, I'm always like, man, it's like so cool, the Olympics, right? And every time I'm like so inspired by the athletes and all that, you know, and, you know, I'm a race car driver. I'm like, wow, I'm not going to go to the Olympics in a race car. So, Maybe 10 years ago, I was kind of like, man, how, how could I get to the Olympics? That was kind of my, my thought. And I was like, okay, how can I get there? So I kind of looked at the sports, you know, and I don't know, you know, summer Olympics, that's going to be really hard because you need to start really young. And then, you know, if you're skiing, that's also something you need to start really young. And then I was like, you know what, like with my driving, I'm sh- maybe I can figure out how to drive a sled. You know, that was... I was like, you know, maybe that's the closest thing that maybe can get me there. And then, so that was always in my head. Like, it was always kind of there. And then two years ago, I was like, oh, if I really want to try this, like, I need to try it now because after, you know, I'll be too old and, you know, it's just not going to happen. So I was like, you know what? You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Like, I really want to go to the Olympics. So um, then, yeah, I just kind of started calling people and uh, luckily, I knew some people who maybe were involved. And um, and two winters ago, I had my first run down the the, the icy hill, and uh, it was uh, it was quite an experience because you know you they kind of explain to you what to do in those corners, and all of a sudden you sitting in this sled, and they just let you go, and you just committed. You know, it's not like a car where you just drive out. Maybe you can break, you know, see how it is, and you just committed to that thing. So. It was um, pretty intense, um, but I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and yeah, so that's why I started it, because I want to go to the Olympics. So that's, that's the goal. And hopefully, hopefully we achieve that in, in 26. So, yeah, there's a bit of work, but uh, I, think, I think it's achievable. So, yeah, we'll put a lot of effort into it to, to do that. That's, it's so cool. And I, I guess for you, what does is, what is the next year look like with your sledding and your motorsport yeah so actually this year it's uh yeah it's actually a bit of a strange year to be honest um i'm involved with the with the whole formula e program you know i'm doing all all their support uh, with porsche and uh yeah there's actually to be honest unfortunately not too much racing this year uh because i think there's going to be some really cool thing happening next year so um yeah there's just a lot of preparation for a few things that are coming and uh on the one side, it's maybe good for, for my bobsled career at the moment, you know, so I can spend some time uh, running and, uh, and, and getting better at starting. So that's what the year looks like. So it's uh, a little bit of a mix of things this year. As always, it's a Girls on the Grid tradition. For our final question to be, what is your advice for women, female, girls, any age, who want to either race or get into motorsport. Maybe for you, it's more about like, you know, 
how can we get more women on the grid? What's your advice to get more women behind the wheel of a race car? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the biggest advice, you know, I think if you, a little girl or what, you know, I think the first thing is if you want to do something, not be afraid to talk about what you want to do. You know, I was, for me personally, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be a race car driver. You know, if you want to be a mechanic, an engineer, just don't be afraid to to speak about it, that that's what you want to do. I think that's a, a big thing. And um, and I think, you know, you know, the traditional, you know, like, you know, believe in yourself for sure. I think that's that's important. But I think the most important is really, you know, if you if you really want to do something and, and try something that you need to to speak to people about it, you know, and that's really the way you you're gonna get there because you always need people to to guide you a little bit and 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 help you achieve those things. And if you if you don't speak of what you really want, you know, and do in your life or what you aspire to, that gets a little bit harder. So um, yeah, that's. I think that 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 would be the biggest advice uh, that I would uh, I would say. And to get more girls, you know, that's what I mean. You know, I think don't be afraid. You know, if you want to change the wheel of a, a supercar or an indie car, you know, don't think that it's not something for you. If you if you really want to do that, that uh, you should go for it. So to wrap this up nicely, in our second ever episode of this podcast, the guest Leanne Ferrier said that. If you see it, you can then be it. So, Simona, thank you because you are being that inspiration to so many women all around the world. And it's just an honour to have had you on here for episode 50 of the Girls in the Grid podcast. So thank you for your time and we hope to see you back uh, down under real soon. Thank you. You've just listened to another Network R production.